You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, the title of my message today is, Are You Being Raised? Are You Being Raised? I wonder if we can say that together. Are you being raised? And I'm going to speak about what I believe is God's plan for every one of us if we come to know Jesus is that we would be raised with Christ, not only in the age to come, but in the present now. Are you being raised? You know, the reality is if you maybe go to a a store or a coffee shop or a reception somewhere, you may get asked the question, are you being served? And the the, the person there is a good customer service question. They're asking, is somebody attending to your needs? Is someone looking after you? Or they might be asking, who's next? But really, the question I want to ask is not, are you being served, but are you being raised? As has already been said, we're only two weeks away from Easter. And in two weeks' time, in a special way, as we do each year, we will celebrate the cross. Who's grateful for the cross? You know, thank God for the cross. That at the cross, we have been saved, we have been redeemed, that, that our sin and our shame was born by Jesus on the cross. And we come to celebrate his life laid down for us, his blood shed, that we who were far off from God can come into his presence because Jesus took our place. We also celebrate the empty tomb that Jesus is not dead, he is alive. And on Good Friday, although we'll come and celebrate the cross, we will also remember that Jesus is alive on that day as he is on every single day. That Jesus lives forever in the power of an indestructible life. This is our Jesus. But I want to bring it to us today because I think many of us as Christians, and maybe you're here, you're not a Christian yet, and I pray that through this message, you'll begin to get a window into something of what Jesus has done for you. But if you're already a believer in Jesus, I think many of us, we can... We can identify well with the cross. We understand that we were sinners and we needed the cross, but somehow we don't identify quite as personally with the empty tomb. But I want to tell you, the tomb is as much for you as the cross is for you. The life of Jesus, the resurrection power of Jesus, the fact that He is alive is what brings life to you, and it is as much yours as the cross is yours. The empty tomb is yours as much as the empty cross is yours. That Jesus came to die for you, but he also lives for you. 1 John tells us this, He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life. We have life if we have Jesus, because Jesus is raised. The truth is also that we cannot separate the cross from the resurrection. We cannot separate the death from the resurrection of Jesus. The theologian Jürgen Moltmann in his book, The Crucified God, talks continually of the resurrection of the one who was crucified and the crucifixion of the one who was raised, that we cannot separate the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. That through that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2,000 years ago, the, the life of Almighty God is brought to every heart that is open. This is the power of the gospel. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to come and we're going to look at this incredible story of the raising of Lazarus. And I want to bring to us this idea that you have been raised, you will be raised, and you are being raised. But let's read this incredible miracle account 
of Lazarus. This is John 11, verses 1 through to 44. I'm going to read the whole story, which is a longer than normal portion of Scripture, but the story is worth telling in full. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one who you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. I want to notice that Jesus, he didn't say that Lazarus wouldn't die. He said that it wouldn't end in death. You know, his words are always true. Sometimes he can speak something and we, we think it means a certain thing, but we come in time to understand exactly what he meant. This sickness will not end in death and it did not end in death. No, he says, this is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you and yet you're going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus so had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. I'm not sure Thomas was quite on the money there, but his heart was noble. On arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Mary heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. He said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live and even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who'd been with Mary in the house comforting her, notice how quickly she got up to went and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked, come and see. Lord, they replied, and Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. He's been in there four days. 
Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, thanks be to God. Wow, what an incredible, incredible story. We will come back to this story in just a moment. Uh, There are 37 miracles in the Gospels, but only seven in the book of John. And John calls them signs. He doesn't call them miracles. He says they're signs. And the signs that John records, including this story of Lazarus, it is telling us about Jesus. And it is a sign for the life to come in Jesus. And we're going to dig just a little bit deeper than seeing that Jesus has the power to raise someone from the dead, although that in itself is worthy of our full attention. But I want to begin by this idea that firstly, you have been raised, you will be raised, and you are being raised. If you are a believer in Jesus, firstly, you have been raised. You see what the Bible says, that that we died with him, but we have been raised with him. That if you've been baptized, then a couple of, uh, three weeks ago it was, we had a baptism service here and Jonathan Chan said that this is a, an outward expression of an inward confession that we go down in the water because we have died with Jesus, but we have been raised with Jesus. That as the Bible says, the old is gone and the... The new has come. Something has changed. If we have come to him, it's not a, a belief system. It's not philosophical thought. Something has happened on the inside of us if we've come to Jesus and we've received the message of the cross. That our old self, that everything that stood against us, our sin and our shame, it has died with Jesus and newness of life has, has come to us and we have been raised. This is what we are told in the scriptures, Colossians chapter 2 says this, For your, your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were, notice past tense, also raised with him. Chapter 3 verse 1, Colossians, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, not on earthly things. Something has happened to us if we are Christian. Something has changed. I I don't know about you, but I I became a Christian when I was 17 and something changed. I didn't realize what was going on. I didn't realize the the depth of reality, what was happening in my life when I gave my life to Jesus. But something changed in me and something died and something came alive and I was raised with Christ. But you know, the truth is, my friends, that not only have you been raised, but secondly, you will be raised. Something has happened, but something will happen. There will come a day for all of us when our time on planet Earth comes to an end and it will be said of us that we have died. Although as Billy Graham famously said, on that day, don't believe a word of it. I will be more alive than I have ever been. You see, the truth is we we may die from this Earth, but we will be raised and we will be like Him when we see Him. And we will be given, Philippians 3 tells us, a new glorious body, like unto his imperishable body. Anybody looking forward to a new and glorious body? All the over 50s. 
Listen, I, 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 I am looking forward to a new and glorious body. The imperishable body. I will be raised. I have been raised, but I will be raised. This is the promise of the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also, future tense, raise us with Jesus and present us to himself. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. 1 Corinthians 15 puts it powerfully like this. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who's excited that they will be raised? I'm excited that I will be raised. I thank God I have been raised. I thank God that what stood against me has been changed and I've been raised. I'm in the newness of his life. But I thank him also that I will be raised. There is a resurrection awaiting me. But I want to help us understand hopefully here today also and thirdly that we are being raised. That there is a process going on right now in our lives, not just at the point of salvation that we were raised, nor at the point in the future when we will be raised, but something is going on in us. If we will allow it, that means that we are being raised. And my question to you today is, are you being raised? Are you living in that daily process of his life, his resurrection life being in you? And with you, transforming you. You see, God's plan for our lives is to change us from glory to glory. That we might die and we might be raised. I'm not speaking of a natural, physical death of which the world only knows. But the laying down of our lives for him and in him. That he might be made alive in us. Galatians Chapter 2, verse 20, Paul writes this, I have been crucified with Christ. And speaking in the present, he says, And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He's not talking about something that happened to him. He talks about something that is happening to him. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Philippians 3, 10 to 11, Paul writes again, I want to know Christ. And know the power of his resurrection, the participation of his suffering, becoming like him in his death. He's talking present tense. That as I outwalk my Christian faith, I would be like him in his death so that I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. My friends, there is a journey for us. And I believe if we look a little bit under the surface of John chapter 11, we see a process of how this works. That God wants us not only to live in the saving grace of what has happened and the, the hope of the promise of what will happen. But the reality of today that if we lay our lives down for him, his life and resurrection power is ours today. But it requires our dying in order that he may live, that we are being raised. I'd like us to notice four things today out of this story of Lazarus. And the first is this, 
as we look at Jesus, that he wanted Lazarus dead. Jesus wanted Lazarus dead. I mean, it's, it's there to see if we look at the scripture. It says that when he heard that Lazarus was sick because he loved Mary and loved Martha and loved Lazarus, he stayed where he was for two days, during which time Lazarus died. You would think when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he would have gone straight away, but he said because he loved him, he stayed where he was. If you're not sure, I'm not convinced by that, if you go to verse 14 and we've just read it, he says to his disciples, I'm glad that I was not there in order that you may believe. What is he saying? He's saying if I'd have gone straight away, we'd have prayed for him and he'd have been raised up, but I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad that he died because I want you to believe. What did he want them to believe? He wanted them to see that he was capable of raising the dead. You know, the truth is he, he wanted Lazarus raised but here's the reality for every one of us. There is no resurrection without a death. In your life, there can be no resurrection without a death. If there is no death, there can be no resurrection. And Jesus, I believe, wanted Lazarus dead because he wanted him raised to life. It may sound like bad news to you, but I believe it's good news that Jesus wants you dead. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus wants you dead. I'm not talking that I'm not talking he wants you to finish your life prematurely. But there is a process. There is something going on in us if we lay down the flesh life, our self-life. There is something within us of our carnality, of our desires, of our selfishness, of our fallen nature, which although saved and raised, is still being worked out. This is the journey of our lives as Christians. It is sanctification as we are being made new, but it is process, it is not event. There is a day when we will see him and we shall be like him. But in the meantime, there is process going on and it's the process of us dying to ourselves, but living to Christ. And this is what I'm talking about today. My friend, are you being raised? If you're being raised, you need to also be dying. Dying to yourself in order that you can live to him. In Luke 9 Jesus says this, whoever wants to be my disciple, I don't know if you want to be his disciple, I want to be his disciple. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Why don't we say deny themselves? And take up their cross daily. Can we say daily? Take up their cross daily and follow me. What can it possibly mean to take up our cross daily other than to die daily? To die to ourselves, to die to our flesh. What I'm saying here is to, to die to the desires of our selfish fallen nature in order that we can live in this incredible reality that if we die, Christ can live in us and through us, even as we outwork our lives on earth. This is the beauty and the power of the gospel, that we have been raised, we will be raised, but we are being raised, but it requires a dying process, and it requires a daily dying. The dying to self, the, the denying of ourselves, the, the things that we want, our carnality, our, our flesh, whatever you want to call it, the, the things within us that, that strive to, to have ourselves justified, to prove ourselves, to have our way. Does anybody like having their own way? Wow, three of us. 
Is anyone else honest in the room? You know what? The reality is it can be challenging, and we can find within ourselves, even though we're trying to live for Jesus, we can at times find selfishness. We can find irritability. Some of us, we can get nasty. Some of us can get angry. Some of us, when someone pushes in front of us or, or carves us up in traffic, we, can, we thought we were dead, but the coffin lid is coming off. <laughs> Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And some of us, we don't get nasty and angry, but we get withdrawn and passive-aggressive. Some husbands looking at wives at this time and, and vice versa. Look only at yourself, please. Some of us, we can feel jealousy stirring, we can feel insecure, we can be unkind or tight-fisted or ungrateful or rude or unloving. We can lack grace, we can be full of lust, we can be mean. Or is it just me? (laughs) But my friends, if we will die, then he can live in us. Someone wrote these words about dying to self when you're forgotten or neglected or purposely set at naught and you sting and hurt with the insult or the oversight but your heart is happy at being counted worthy to suffer, that's dying to self. When your good is evil spoken of and when your wishes are crossed, your advice disregarded, your opinions ridiculed and you refuse to let your anger rise in your heart, or even defend yourself, but take it all in patient, loving silence. That is dying to self. When you lovingly and patiently bear any disorder, any irregularity, any annoyance, when you can stand face to face with waste or folly, extravagance, spiritual insensibility, and endure it as Jesus endured, that is dying to self. When you're content with any food, any offering, any raiment, any climate, any society, any attitude, any interruption by the will of God, that is dying to self. When you never care to refer to yourself in conversation or record your own good works or itch after commendation, when you can truly love to be unknown, that is dying to self. When you see a brother prosper and have his needs met and can honestly rejoice with him in spirit and feel no envy nor question God while your own needs are greater, that is dying to self when you can receive correction or reproof from one of less stature than yourself and can humbly submit inwardly as well as outwardly, finding no rebellion or resentment resentment rising up in your heart, that is dying to self. Do you want me to carry on? Probably not. (laughs) And yet, if we allow Jesus to help us, we make room for him. I believe he wants us as he wanted Lazarus dead, because he wants to bring his life, his so much more wonderful, glorious, gracious, loving, beautiful, life-giving, generous, patient, kind, life to come and flow through us. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. The truth is we can't crucify ourselves. You can't get the last nail in. We need the Holy Spirit to come and help us on this journey of dying to self. But you know, as well as the moments that might come our way on a daily basis, there can be seasons 
in our lives, seasons where it feels as though something is going on at a deep level and it can be a season of dying. While we are fully healthy and fully alive to the natural eye, but something is going on inside of us and it is as if there is a dying season, that God is allowing something of a deep work to go on. Normally it follows us praying a prayer like, oh God, make me the man you want me to be or make me the woman you want me to be. And then suddenly all, all hell breaks loose around our lives and some things happen within us. Why? Because he's allowing a new level of death to come in us. Like Moses in the desert, like Joseph in prison, like David on the run. Jesus says in John chapter 12, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, speaking of his own death. But I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it falls and dies, it produces many seeds. Something can happen when we allow God to work in us, allow a dying season to come in order he can prepare us for the fullness of his life. I remember a few years ago, going through one of those seasons, that a season of... I look back a season of dying, a season that included false accusations and promises revoked, multitudes of pressures, disappointments, being handled badly, a season of pain, questioning the call of, of God on my life and just wondering what on earth was going on. And my season wouldn't be your season, but some of you go through different things. You know, sometimes you go through those seasons, and I can remember coming to, towards the end of that season, and we so needed a break. And I remember we managed to uh, use somebody's house in France for a holiday, and we, we drove across. And, and while I was there, I managed to crash my car, and, and it was written off. And I remember we had to come back as foot passengers on the ferry with our stuff, you know, sometimes when it rains, it pours. And in the midst of it, what is God doing? Is, is God orchestrating all of those? I don't fully understand, but I believe my times are in his hands. And I know in those seasons, he is allowing us to go through the refiner's fire, to mix my metaphors. That some things can only be forged in the furnace. And sometimes through times of constriction or frustration, of challenge, of obscurity, of pain, God can do a deep work in us. But I want us to notice this secondly, that he was present in the pain. Can we say that? He was present in the pain. You know, Jesus, who he waited where he was, I believe, in order that Lazarus may die. When he came, he felt their pain and he identified with their pain. He didn't pull himself away from their pain. It says that, that when Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who'd come along also weeping, he was moved deeply in his spirit. He was troubled. He asked, where have you laid him? Come, Lord, they replied. And the Bible says Jesus wept. Jesus didn't weep because Lazarus was dead. He knew fine well he was about to raise him to life. Why did he weep? He wept because they were weeping. He wept because he identified with their pain. And I want to tell you, in, in the, the daily occurrences when we lay our lives down, when we we allow Christ in. He is with us in that place. In the seasons of dying and challenge, of constriction, he will meet us there if we will allow him. My friend, he, he doesn't delight in your pain. He delights in your transformation. Let me say that again. He doesn't delight in your pain. He delights in your transformation. But he knows that there is only a resurrection where there's a death. 
I want to tell you also, if you're going through one of those seasons, that Jesus alone is the master of dying well. Where Paul is able to say, oh, I want to be like him in his death. What does it mean? I tell you, the best way to walk through a season of dying is to walk as Jesus walked. Allow him to be your friend and your counselor, even in how to die. You know, there are some Christians, they go through a a season of dying, of inward frustration, but everybody knows about it. They complain about it. They shout about it. They whinge about it. Everybody knows they're in pain. Their pain is overflowing and they are bleeding on anyone who will listen. And I'm, hey, I am for us being vulnerable. We need to have people with whom we can be real and share. Absolutely, this is a key part of our life groups and Christ-centered community. There are those that can know. But sometimes, actually, it's just another expression of the flesh that can be a bad odor. The Bible says that Lazarus had been in the, bio, had been in the, the tomb for four days and uh, they were reluctant to pull the stone away because there was a bad odor. In the King James Version, it says, He stinketh. I want to encourage you, don't stinketh. If you're going through it, if you're in a dying season, make it true that it, let it not be said of you, he stinketh or she stinketh. I know she's going through it, but my word, she is stinking right now because everybody knows about it. Invite the grace of God to come into your season. I remember my challenge being captivated by these words of Paul, to be like him in his death. I had four, four keys that, that walked me through this season. Number one, Jesus embraced the Father's will. And I just had to trust, we have to trust in these seasons, that our times are in his hands, that we might be going through some challenges, but God knows what he is doing with us. In Gethsemane, we heard about last week, Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. He embraced the Father's will. He trusted the Father that even his own death was bringing forth something that was good. Secondly, he refused to complain. You know, it was more than he refused to complain. He didn't justify himself. He, he didn't speak. Isaiah 53 tells us this, as a sheep before his shearers is silent, he didn't open his mouth. And I made it my goal in that season not to speak ill of any who had treated me poorly, but to seek to be honorable, not to justify, not to accuse, not to respond. My third thought was that he saw the deeper purpose. Hebrews tells us this, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross and scorned its shame. My friend, if we go through a season of dying, on the other side, if we submit to him, his life is more fully available than it has ever been. For the joy set before us, let us endure these seasons. Believe in the deeper purpose. And fourthly, he focused on others there hanging on the cross. John's gospel tells us he sees his mother and he sees John, his friend, and and, and he says, woman, here is your son and son, this is your mother. And they looked after each other from that time on. The Bible says that, that John took her into his home. Even on the cross, even moments before he shouts out, it's finished. He's looking and he's thinking of others. But thirdly, and here's the good news, through death, he brought life. Here in this amazing story, they took away the stone and Jesus prays and then he calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. My friend, you may be dying, but you are being raised. You may be dying, but you are being raised. 
You may be in a dying season, but you are being raised. You may be laying your life down in the moment, denying the flesh, denying self, but through it, you are being raised and you are becoming the woman and the man God has designed you to be. Through the process of death, there is life. Through death, he brought life. Lazarus may have died, but Lazarus is made alive. As somebody once said, he called Lazarus or else everybody would have come out of the grave. We sang in our opening song, you called my name and I ran out of that grave. Do we understand what this song is, is saying to us? He has called your name to come out of that grave and live in his resurrection life through our death in him. There is always life. When the flesh dies, Christ can live. When you lay down your rights, his grace can freely flow. When you stop fighting for your justice, you can leave room for God's wrath. When you choose to surrender your will, then his will can be done. When you stop fighting for your position, then you make room for him to position you. When you refuse self-pity, you can walk freely in his grace. With Jesus there is life on the other side of death. His ways are always higher. I remember through this season of challenge for us, we were, we were serving in another church and we were, we, uh, I was the assistant pastor there and I just had turned 40 years of age and I remember somebody, a, a well-respected minister within our denomination, AOG, came to sit with me in my home and he said, what are you still doing here in the same place? It's ridiculous. He said, everyone can see you and Esther should be leading a church. Like, why aren't you doing anything about it? I said, listen, we are just trying to serve Jesus. We are the Lord's servants. He, we will go wherever he wants us to go. If he wants us to stay here and serve in this way, we'll do it for the rest of our lives. He can deploy us wherever he wants. And he said, it's ridiculous. He said, if I were you, and the national leader of Assemblies of God at that time was called John Partington. Many of you know John. That he said, if I were you, I'd go and ask John Partington what he's got, meaning to see if there are any churches out there that needed a leader. I said, we will never do that. And he said, the problem is nobody knows you. I said, excuse me, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They have our address. They've got our names and our number. And he said, let me tell you, it doesn't work like that. Wow. I said, let me tell you, it will work like that for us. If God can find David in a field, he can find little old Martin and Esther. If he wants us somewhere else, and if he doesn't, we'll stay here. We'll do whatever he wants us to do. Little did we know in that season of dying that John Partington was actually having a meeting with the leadership of this church, who we didn't know and they didn't know us, but he knew us both. And he said the first time he committed to prayer, he should come and, and really take on from Pastor Bonner, Mick and Sandra, he thought of us, felt the Lord speak to him. I had another minister friend in that season who, who, who said, do you, do you know about the church in Coventry? We'd just, been, we'd just been asked privately whether we would pray about coming. And he said to me, do you know about the church in Coventry? And I, I, I'd agreed that I wasn't going to say anything at all. I said, what, what about it? He said, look, they've just built a new building. I said, oh, have they? I'd just been there and been asked whether we'd come and lead. And he said, well, anyway, I was there recently and I, as I came in the building, I sensed you and Esther in my spirit that you had destiny connected with that church. 
And he said, we went up the, the staircase of our first floor stairs, got to the landing, and he said, I turned to my wife, Yvonne, and I said, what are you thinking? She said, Martin and Esther, I can sense there's destiny here. And he, and he began to weep. He said, it would break my heart if you left but here, because he was part of our team in Nottingham. But he said, break my heart if you left, but I need to confess to you that we've been praying every day that God would open a door for you to come. And he said, well, it'd be ridiculous for me not to confess at this time. We've already been invited to come. And it seems as though the Lord may be in it. But when we die, we make room for God to bring his life. And he opened a door for us. I don't know what's going on in your world. But if you submit to him, there is death on the other side of life. My final thought is this. He removed the signs of death. The dead man came out, the Bible says, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Not a pretty sight, I might add. A cloth around his face, dead man walking. Lazarus raised to life, actually not dead anymore, but not dressed for a celebration, dressed for a burial. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You know, it occurs to me that sometimes in the seasons where we die, we come through and he calls our name and we walk out. But sometimes the signs of death can still be on us. Lazarus is fully raised. He's alive again. But, but actually the process that he's gone through is still on him. And Jesus says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And sometimes we can walk out of the seasons of pain and actually there's something still on us and it needs to come off. And Jesus removes from him the signs of death. Maybe in a season of dying you were hurt. Maybe you got wounded. Maybe you've come through and you are walking again. But maybe there's still pain. There's still healing to come. Maybe you've forgiven and you've forgiven and yet you know somehow you still need to forgive and you don't understand how that should be so and yet you know that it is so. And Jesus would come and Say, take off the grave clothes. Let me help you come to a new place of wholeness, the full freedom that I have for you. Maybe in a season of dying, you were humbled. Maybe something was taken from you. Maybe you lost something. These things can happen. They can be dying seasons, and God can do a deep work in our hearts. Maybe you've come through and you're walking again. Maybe there's a new humility through the process. And yet, somewhere in it, you've lost your voice. Maybe you've given your confidence away. And it's good, but it's not all good yet. Maybe in a season of dying, you believe for something and it didn't come to pass. I'm conscious, even today, speaking of this story, there may be those that have recently lost loved ones and maybe you prayed for a different outcome and it didn't come. And even this message can be painfully poignant but God would want to come and meet you there sometimes we can believe for something and it doesn't work out how we thought it would and we wrestle with God and somehow there can be a strange intimacy in the process something where we draw close to him but we come out we're walking again but but we don't trust as fully as we did we need to believe again we know something needs to come off us maybe through the pain you've let something creep in, maybe bitterness or cynicism or self-pity. And in a moment, I'm going to invite every one of us to commit ourselves to 
to walk in his resurrection life, to lay down our lives, lay down our flesh and ourselves this week, that when those moments of irritation come, we'll say, Lord, may I be raised in this moment. But before we come to that, there may be those here and you know you've been through a season of dying and I believe God would want to remove something of the marks of that off you, even in this service here today, bring you to a new measure of wholeness, of healing. The truth is it, it might yet take a little more time and process, but today you're saying, Lord, I determine with your help to walk freely. That would be nothing on me, that, that those who meet me, they would never know I'd even been in the grave. And I wonder if we can bow our heads and close our eyes across this room. And I sense that this, this word is speaking to some here today. Maybe you've gone through that season of dying and you, you just want to say, Lord, if there's anything on me, would you remove it? Maybe you're aware there are some things still on you that need to come off and you'd come and say, God, help me because I want to walk free. I want to walk in the fullness of your resurrection life and power. And if that's you, I'd love to pray for you today and I'd invite you where you are right now to simply stand to your feet. And in doing that, you're saying, Lord, I want to walk in the fullness of your freedom and your grace. That if there's anything still of a residue, let it come off. Let me walk free. I believe the Holy Spirit in this moment wants to minister to people right across this room. I invite you, if you're, if you're standing, just to open up your hands and your heart to Him. And I know there may be process, but I also know that His grace wants to come to many in these moments and bring you to a new place of freedom and liberty. Some things that have been on you can come off today. Wholeness and His shalom. To open your heart as I pray for you. Lord, I thank you, God Almighty, that you are in the business of bringing us fully free. You're in the business of taking the grave clothes off. You're in the business of removing the marks and the, the signs of death from us. And I pray for my brothers and I pray for my sisters those who've been through a season, those who have known and have walked through pain, and in it there has been a dying process. And in it you have fashioned and you have formed as you've broken, as you've challenged. You are preparing them for a greater openness to you that you might work at a deeper level. But I pray right now, let your wholeness and your healing come. I pray right now that anything that has been on would come off. I pray right now where there's been pain, let your healing come and renew. Where there's been a, a fight to forgive and forgive and forgive, I pray bring people out into a place where there is no longer any residue. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are able to do a deep work in us. Come and meet my friends, I pray, that they would truly walk out of their grave and they would walk into the fullness of your resurrection life and power and the purpose of what you have in the coming season.
in your precious name.